what's up gumbo listeners demetrius malbro here with another data protection gumbo episode titled think cdp for kubernetes and to drop these spicy ingredients i brought heiksbert jansen van dorn on he is the director of technical marketing at zerto with a focus on helping customers understand and adopt IT resilience and he has over 20 years of IT infrastructure experience designing and implementing solutions at both enterprise and large managed service providers. Heisbert, how are you today? I am doing very, very well. I'm, I'm, I'm moving towards my, my annual leave, my holiday, so I'm, 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 I'm thrilled about that one. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic that you have an opportunity to take some time off. And once again, I do apologize for uh, jacking up your name. So I uh, just go ahead and lay that out up front. <laughs> uh, actually, I appreciate the effort, and you did a great job. All right, so let's go ahead and jump right into the episode. And I am sure that the Gumbo listeners are very interested in hearing what you have to say. So the first question is, I guess, how important is continuous data protection or CDP and journaling in protecting a company's data? Well, you're, you're, you're absolutely asking uh, the, the right company because CDP to us, um, ever since our inception in uh, back in 2011, has been really, really important to us. It's, it's the core of, of our platform. And I think the reason why it, it is important, and I think it, it might be getting more and more important, is because IT changes. IT evolves, and um, one of the most important assets of a company is its data. Mm-hmm. And that data get now gets changed all the time. Whether it's in the middle of the night where someone's logging into a digital system and change, uh, changes his address, and that then gets replicated to multiple different systems. It, it's continuously in motion. And to be able to protect that, you need something that continuously protects that data as well. And right, yeah. besides that, and unfortunately, we, we have so many new threats as well. Things like ransomware, where they just take your data hostage and, and you have to either pay the bill or, or recover. Right. And, and do you really want to recover to something that's 12 hours old, 24 hours old, or maybe eight hours old. But I mean, hours uh, nowadays is is uh, a long, long, long time. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree with that statement. And we'll, we'll probably touch on ransomware a little bit later on in the episode as well. Uh, so let's let's hold some of those conversations for later. I want to get to some of the interesting stuff there. So I I have another question for you. So what what is your definition of let's say data protection as code. And are you seeing this as the next emerging trend in the backup space? Uh, I, I think it's definitely a, a trend. And I think it's, it's mostly related to the infrastructure as code trend that we see as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because more and more organizations are um, scaling and, 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 and using infrastructure as code to define how they're going to operate their infrastructure. Um, and as soon as you make data protection part of that, it, it doesn't become an afterthought anymore. So data protection is now part of how you deploy your infrastructure and you're doing that using infrastructure as code. And to me, 
it makes sense to add data protection to that as well. And that basically turns into data protection as code. Yeah, and, and definitely like infrastructure as code, CI/CD pipeline, and just IT automation in general, it's definitely a, a very trendy and, and hot topic, especially now during COVID-19. Everyone's seeking those cost efficiency measures so they can you know, squeeze every, every penny out of um, the infrastructure and, and even the, uh, the resources in their environment. So I, I definitely agree with that one. Yeah, I think it's driven by how people like to squeeze everything out of infrastructure. And it's, it's partially driven by people's, or at least organizations' necessity to move to a different model, to, to go to digital, to, yes, let's invest in that new way of delivering the services to my end users. And once they start doing that, they start doing that the new way with things like containers and Kubernetes and, and the more next-gen type of, uh, of applications. And I think that's, that's driving a lot of that as well. I'm actually thrilled that that you have mentioned, you know, some of these next gen technologies. I've had quite a few guests on the show about protecting Kubernetes data, data in in Kubernetes containers, etc. So my next question is, I guess, what what are some of the challenges that that people run into when moving their applications and their persistent data storage, especially when dealing with containers and Kubernetes objects? It depends a little bit of to to what type of organization you're talking to. Um, I think it's 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 definitely on organizations' radar, and it's definitely something they are they're looking at. I think a lot of organizations, though, and this is actually I I say this, and I've been saying this for many many years, and and uh, legacies forever. And I think legacy is one of the things that um, for organizations is a challenge because as with cloud, there was lift and shift. So I'll take these VMs and I'll put them in the cloud. And what you see now is that organizations are looking at, okay, so how can I make my legacy application? How can I turn that into this new shiny next-gen Kubernetes containers thingy? And what they're trying to do, and and it might have some benefits. I I won't be uh, uh, judging that right now. But what you see is that they're, they're moving that more traditional technology into containers making it a little bit more scalable, maybe easier to manage, but that's it. So I think one of the problems they, they face is is the replatforming. Okay. So how am I going to take that application and turn it into something that's that's built for this, that's, that's containerized, that understands that it's living in a container and those kind of things. Any company that's really building something from the ground up mm-hmm. will have, I think, less challenges because it's new. So they can decide what they need to do and they can make sure that all the technology they use to deliver that application or deliver that service is built for delivering it the the next gen way. Ah, okay. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. So kind of moving moving a little more forward around next gen apps and knowing that, you know, they're already built with a, a lot of internal availability. Uh, I want to know, I guess, what are what are you going to do when, when there, let's say, some type of human error or like a malicious attack on your systems from a next-gen app perspective? What, what do you recommend that, that uh, let's say, data protection gumbo listeners do, you know, in that case? Uh, so w- one of the things is um, as whatever type of application d- d- you deploy, whether it's legacy or next-gen or whatever comes after next-gen, 
you, mm-hmm. you really have to take into consideration all these different things that can happen to your environment, whether it's logical okay. error, whether it's a disaster, whether it's a malicious uh, uh, code on your system. And I think what the most important thing is, you need to make sure that you know exactly where your persistent data is and you need to know or at least have something in place to recover that persistent data, but also the state of your application. And I know that might be for some people that that are probably listening in is Kubernetes started out as being, oh, it's all stateless, crash and burn, wonderful. Yeah. But it still needs data somewhere. And what we see, and and we we actually recently announced our our Zero for Kubernetes product extension to our platform is the way the way we look at it is we need to protect it as as part of how you deploy the application. Basically, coming back to some of the the data protection as code as you as you mentioned, and by making it part of that application, by making it part of those YAML files, how you deploy um, your your application on a Kubernetes platform, you one not make it an afterthought anymore, mm-hmm. but also really integrate it into the way that the developers um, are are developing on top of those systems. Okay. So one is I, I need to protect my data, but I think the most important thing is how am I going to recover that data? Because it the persistent storage within Kubernetes is part of an application, is part of something you deployed on your Kubernetes environment. So if you recover it, you want to recover everything. Right. The, the data, the persistent data, but also the state of the application, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, it definitely makes makes a lot of sense because, you know, Kubernetes and containers. I and I, I guess the reason anyone uses those is because they 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 want something to uh, number one that's you know microservice. They want something that's simple, something that's easy to deploy with less effort, and it's actionable, right? That mm-hmm. they can actually have. Uh, something that that they can have full control over, as well as you know, just this infrastructure as code movement that's happening. So, uh, th- this also reminds me as well, and I have to remember who I'm speaking to. That you know, you 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 guys have a lot of experience with replication, and it's funny that I don't hear a lot about replication anymore, but it used to be one of these really really hot buzzwords, and it's not as new as it used to be, but Obviously, it's still really important, and it's a very uh, important thing within a data center architecture and, and resilience between clusters and data centers and clouds. You know, how important is replication, and what would you say to someone who doesn't replicate their data? First thing I s- I'll probably say is start replicating your data. <laughs> um, so replication, to us, of course, is really important. But I, I think the uh, most important thing is replication to us is part of how we deliver CDP, how we deliver continuous data protection. And funnily enough, um, continuous data protection is really making a comeback, mm-hmm. as you can see in the market with many vendors out there now adding continuous data protection on, uh, within their platforms to protect data. We, we've seen we've seen multiple vendors in the in the backup and recovery market space actually deliver features like that. Right. And, and our vision is that that continuous data protection, which includes to us always on replication and includes 
um, journal-based recovery and it includes application consistency grouping and things like that is is becoming the de facto standard for how I protect applications. Because one thing is is really easy to do. I can I can take a, a backup of my server every eight hours, but if I need it every four hours because the data becomes more important, or I need it every hour, it becomes harder and harder. That's why we say let's mm-hmm. take it back. Let's look at your architecture and let's start with CDP. Let's start with replication. Because we can always tune down. We can always do less. But to us, because data becomes more and more important and uh, more and more yeah. changes happen in an environment and applications become more and more complex, I think replication or at least CDP is making more and more of a comeback mm-hmm. because people understand that well, if you choose, what what is your choice? Data loss versus no data loss or at least less data loss? I think... Mm. The, the more and more important data becomes, right. the more and more data loss becomes unacceptable. And if you think we're even close to being finished dropping data protection knowledge gumbo listeners, we have more insights in store for you as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. Did you know that legacy VM-based data management products cannot protect your containerized applications from accidental or malicious data loss? Learn this and more from Kasten K10, the market-leading Kubernetes data management platform trusted by the largest number of Fortune 500 customers. And if you're not familiar with Kasten, they are an expert in all things data management for Kubernetes. And I interviewed the CEO and co-founder Niraj Tolia for Season 3, Episode 1 of Data Protection Gumbo, and I learned that Kasten Kasten's K10 is a scalable, secure, and easy-to-use product that will enable you to deliver a self-service platform to your users and operators. And whether on-premises or in the public cloud, in just a matter of minutes. Visit Kasten.io today to download a forever free version of K10 with no feature restrictions and no sign-up required. Check out K10 today at Kasten.io. That's K-A-S-T-E-N dot I-O. And to Heisberg, we're back in. And before the break, you were schooling Gumbo listeners on the importance of replicating your data and how CDP is making a comeback in the market to protect data. And for the rest of this episode, let's get into the aspect of why people are becoming more important than the data now. We're definitely in that in that digital sweet spot right now, especially during COVID-19. Um, you know, everyone is, you know, in their houses and, you know, Zoom had like a phenomenal quarter just because everyone now is streaming live uh, as far as a virtual perspective and working from home. It's uh, data is just a really important thing. So, you know, replication is another thing that's very important as well to do. So I, I really love your answer there. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. And I think um, like I think I said it before uh, in, in one of my answers as well. I mean, companies consider data to be one of their most important assets, mm-hmm. but it's related to actually their other most important asset, which is people. Right. Yeah. And and if I if I lose data, it means I need people to reconstruct data, repopulate things, reproduce things. I mean, ask me how many emails I've sent yesterday and what I exactly did in those, set in those emails. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a tough job. Yeah, yeah. And, and consider that for an, uh, like a large organization. So 
actually data is important because it directly affects the other important asset as well, which is which is people. And and right now, I think especially with COVID nineteen, we people are becoming more and more important in an organization. Right. Yeah. And they understand that. Yeah. That that's that's um, top priority right now is taking care of your people and not only having a a physical a physical disaster recovery plan, but also having one that includes, you know, what if one of your employees happened to get COVID-19 and he's your top database guy, right? You know, do, do you have a, a resiliency plan in place to 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 make sure that, you know, a script or something that he wrote yep. <laughs> is uh, is is actually someone else knows how to, you know, get around that, right? Or, or execute that script or someone is just as good as, as him or there's a run book or something. So that's a great point. I'm kind of moving now into, you know, you mentioned ransomware a little earlier. And that's definitely a, a something that's increasing as of late since, you know, the pandemic has driven everyone, you know, indoors. So that's also driven the hackers, you know, more into, hey, let's see how more exploiting, you know, we can do. So do you have any interesting stories that, that you can share about recovering data from data corruption or, or even ransomware? We actually had a, a very interesting session at one of our events, um, ZertoCon, uh, which we had to do virtual uh, for the very first time. And, and, and one of those sessions there was the, a tale of two, two ransomware attacks. Okay. Um, but it, it is one of my, my favorite ones because it shows you how important a data protection um, solution is to recover from ransomware because I think ransomware a, a lot when we talk about ransomware is oh how can I prevent from being attacked how can I protect my environment but I think one of the essential things is as well is okay let's say it happens because unfortunately we see it happen on a daily base how do I recover right and we have we have a customer um, that um, had two ransomware attacks one before they deployed replication deployed Zerto and one afterwards. So they had two? And they had two. Well, I, I think right now they had multiple. Okay. Um, and and one of them, uh, the first one, it attacked their environment, uh, a file server got corrupted and they needed to recover the file server. Mm-hmm. Now, that took them a very, very long time because of the way they deployed um, backup. They used backup, they used tapes, they had to recover it. Um, they had, they had about two weeks of downtime because of failed backups, uh, data loss, you name it. And that was, I mean, that was so impactful. Now the next attack was in some of their, uh, um, off, let's say a, a remote office, a branch office and, or actually it was an engineering facility. And again, their file server got corrupted, mm-hmm. but because they had Zerto in place and they use continuous data protection and journaling and things like that. They were up and running again by simply executing a workflow hmm. within 10 minutes and went back to how it was 10 seconds ago. So that to them was such an, an, an eye-opener because let's be honest, uh, at least Zerto are, uh, from, from, from a, from a right, like yeah. how people look at us, they typically look at us as a disaster recovery solution. But because of... The changing IT environment because of the changing threats. Now all of a sudden we're see, we're seen as a um, like ransomware recoverware type of solution. I guess you can say that it's a good look, right? To to be looked at from that perspective because 
that trend is only increasing. So unfortunately, yes. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. And 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 I had a previous episode where I asked a similar question. I said, "Hey, do you have any any fun ransomware stories?" And she said, um, "I wouldn't say that they were fun stories, but they are definitely interesting stories." So I, I have to be careful how I talk about ransomware since it's it's not one of those things that is really easy to recover from un- unless you have planned for for a ransomware attack right and you have a product you know running such as as Zerto or some of the other other solutions that are out there no I, I, absolutely and I, I think that's why uh, when when talking about resilience and I've heard you mentioned it a couple of times as well it's cyber resilience is a new thing and it's and it's 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 less about uh, preventing, uh, responding, and it's more about recovering and continuing your business while you're experiencing a ransomware attack. Because again, it, it's daily examples, and it's 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 terrible. It's it's insane to see how that has grown and how some of those um, malicious people take advantage of a situation like a global pandemic. Right. Yeah. And just also in in gumbo fashion, switching over a bit to um, some of the other things that are are mentioned quite a bit right now in the in the IT industry. And that's hypervisors and and container hosts. Right. So and and I guess you have to have a a solid understanding of, of the differences between hypervisors and container hosts. So can you break down the operational differences for us and the importance of this in, in let's say, an IT team's strategy? Uh, well, absolutely. I, I, I definitely have some ideas and, and thoughts and uh, maybe also opinions about that. I think one of the uh, the, the, the biggest differences between hypervisors and, and, and related to that virtual machines and containers or Docker and con- container hosts is that Container hosts, or at least the way containers operate, is way more fluid. There's way more change. In in a hypervisor host, the VM is way more sticky. It's something you need to manage. It has a way longer lifetime than a container has. So therefore, the hypervisor hosts are a little bit more important. The VMs run on there. They run on there for days, months, years, <laughs> decades, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And with... with um, Container hosts, it's a way more fluid, dynamic system. Um, uh, applications get deployed. They scale to 100 containers, to 1,000 containers. Then they scale back again. Uh, there's an update. They redeploy it. It's crash and burn. So the way you need to manage a hypervisor is is way different than the way you need to manage a, a, a container host or a host that that hosts containers Mm, Uh, because of the nature of how VMs and the nature of how containers work, their, their, their life cycle. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a really good breakdown. So I, I appreciate you kind of clearing up that difference for us. And also just, um, man, I, I can, I can keep going, going with the questions here. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) I want to try to keep, keep, keep an episode, you know, within a certain time limit, I've definitely enjoyed the conversation, so uh, I, I want to roll into the the closing gumbo question for you. Oh, excited! And it's 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 a bit of a challenging one because I've changed this question um, just due to the the recent climate of um, you know riots and protests, and you know people are standing up now and kind of claiming things that they believe in. So the question is, you know, what makes you frustrated or angry enough that 
you would consider standing in front of a data center and protesting about it until there's change. And I'm, I'm guessing that's about what is going on in a data center that I'm protesting about, right? Yeah, you know, what's going on in the data center or, or what do you believe that, that should be going on or not going on, right? Something that's just frustrating or angry that you think they need to change companies or corporations. I, I think one of the, the, for me, most frustrating things, and I, I think there are many occasions that I actually got angry about, was I'm really of the keep it simple attitude and approach when it comes to infrastructure and how you deploy things. And what I notice and what I get really frustrated and angry about is when people are adding more and more and more layers of complexity to solve certain aspects of a data set. I always like, like to drill it down to keep it as simple as possible. And one of the, the, the fun things I've done in the past is we, we uh, at, a, at a system integrator, we actually had challenges and like races on, on solutions. So what we tried to do, for example, is okay, how do I recover a database in a different data center mm -hmm. and uh, uh, make it work? Who would be the, the fastest one to do it? Who would have the best RTO? And it turned out, I wouldn't say 100% of the times, because then I would be lying, but at least 90% of the times that if you stick with the keep it simple attitude, it's way faster, it's way more transparent, and it doesn't require seven other teams to do it. And that's something I, I, I think people are, 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 are sometimes underestimating, is that keeping things simple, simplistic, is most of the times the very best option, especially when talking about infrastructure and, and data centers and how you operate them. Yeah, the KISS model, keep it simple, stupid. It's uh, Exactly. It's, it's a good one to follow. And, you know, just even during these times right now, remembering that just as you are, you know, running your own household or trying to deal with social distancing and making sure that you keep your six feet or you have your mask on, you know, speaking in the U.S., you know, just keep it simple. You know, wash your hands, do all the other things, right? Don't don't try to make it as more complex as it, as it should be, right? 100% agree. All right. So, hey, I really enjoyed having you on the Gumbo uh, Iceberg. So thank you so much and the insight that you've shared. Uh, I'm sure it's one that Gumbo listeners will listen to multiple times. So thank you for coming on the show, and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, and, and I, I really enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. I love reading your reviews on Apple Podcasts, so please keep them coming. And every review that you leave helps. So please also join our LinkedIn group, Backup and Recovery Professionals, and also check out our website at dataprotectiongumbo.com. So have a great week and see you next time.